Welcome to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. I'm Eleanor Balon. And I'm Jay Katanis. This season, we're exploring Filipino American Christian experiences from a variety of perspectives. Thanks for joining us. everybody and welcome back to another special Filipino-American focused episode of Centering the Asian American Christian Podcast. We are so grateful for all the listeners at this point. Our first episode is about to reach a thousand listens on SoundCloud and we're humbled by that and also really, really grateful and touched by the feedback that we've received. I've had so many conversations about our podcast conversations and we just encourage you to continue reaching out to us and let us know how we can continue this and expand the conversation because that is really what we're hoping to do through these uh, guests and episodes that we have you know real quick i'm joined by my co-host eleanor eleanor would you like to say hello hi everyone and eleanor and i on our previous episode had a wonderful very very dear guest and matriarch with us, Ate Lisa Mm -hmm. Espinelli-Chin. And, you know, she spoke a word to our listeners and over us and gave us a blessing. And she used a phrase that I think was really interesting and it stuck with me. So I thought that we would just mention it, maybe unpack it for, you know, a minute or two before we get into today's discussion. And the phrase was kingdom Mm -hmm. culture. And I think in context, she was referring to her Filipina-ness as she felt it and struggled to hold it while becoming a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. And then also her Americanness as she was being legally naturalized and yet, you know, reckoning with the past and our countries, our Philippine history with the United States. And she referred to kingdom culture as a a different way or as another kind of loyalty or allegiance. And I think the phrase stuck out to me because I think, Eleanor, maybe you can share how you felt. But for some of our listeners, especially those of us who are very sensitive towards uh, issues of gender or um, evangelical subculture, which has in many ways proven to be toxic, it can be a hard phrase to take in. But... We know Atelisa and obviously recognize in the context that what she was saying was really important for us to remain critical of mm-hmm. our, the ways we adopt identities. But Eleanor, how did you experience that? Yeah, I think that the term kingdom culture in the context of knowing Atelisa was, you know, it made a lot of sense for what she was sharing. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, from different perspectives, it could, for some folks, render feelings or images or thoughts, connections to the ways that the church has tried to expand the kingdom um, using the church as a colonial tool um, for Mm. imperialistic purposes that were not always helpful, um, were not always beneficial, were not always Mm. with the best intentions for the people, like to whom the church, that those uh, practices, that structure was being imposed upon just mm-hmm. like in the philippines and so i think it's it's from different perspectives it can at the very least leave a little bit of a distaste without more context without a full understanding of what it means to be a citizen in god's kingdom and mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. it means to be people of peace so i think that it's it's a big conversation to mm-hmm. have 
Yeah, and a good one, I think. But you're right that the biblical reference is to citizenship and so does raise, you know, legitimate associations that because of our experiences can be tied up with pain or not. Absolutely. Or not, and sure, th- yeah. And from a sociological perspective, right, culture is simply what we produce. Hmm. We produce texts, we produce artistic works, we produce other uh, artifacts, and I think even ideas. And I think in that way, there is a lot of truth to what you said. And so I hope that our listeners can just kind of grapple with that. And also, it takes us to today's conversation with a very special guest who we will introduce in a moment. But, you know, many of us have struggled with having our ethnic and specifically Filipino and even Filipino American cultures minimized, marginalized. We've been told to leave them behind or even we've been taught through colonial mentality to denigrate Mm -hmm. ourselves and our culture. And today, this episode is meaningful for helping us to reconnect with it. Or in the words of Dr. Lenny Strobel, to remember ourselves, to put ourselves back together through these experiences. So, Eleanor, would you introduce our guest to us? I would love to. Today, we are joined by Dr. Jeannie Celestiel. Uh, She is a psychologist with a background in neuropsychology and also has over 20 years of experience in supporting people through personal and collective healing transformation. So what that means is that she has an approach to healing that is culturally responsive, holistic, thinks about decolonial aspects and is social justice oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, She has a specialty also in working with people who are recovering from trauma and is well versed in many different types of therapies, different ways of doing therapy, including cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, as well as some somatic or embodied therapies, such as EMDR and brain spotting. So a lot of psychology words that we will try to introduce you all to today, <laughs> Thank um, you. but fear not. But today's episode will be unique in this season in that we will get to actually experience an embodied exercise, which Dr. Celestial will guide us through. So welcome, Dr. Jeannie. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to know about you? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, it does feel like coming home. And we did mm-hmm. a pre-show yesterday for getting to know one another and warming up the space. And I feel very welcomed and at home with you all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like listeners to know that I'm a daughter, a wife and partner, mm-hmm. a mother, a kapatid, friend, sister. I'm a dancer at heart, mm-hmm. I, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm an artist of sorts. And I'm a best-selling author. And um, all of those are on behalf and only through my community and family. So Mm. I bring all of those people with me today. Wonderful. Shall I ask the important question, Eleanor? Yes, please do. I'm I'm waiting. (laughs) Because of all and all of the people who you bring into our conversation, this is a very controversial or sensitive question. What would you consider your favorite Filipino dish, Dr. Jeannie? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have so many favorites and y'all know that the best-selling book that I, I helped with was the Filipino Instant Pot Cookbook, uh, which we did as a collective, myself yes. and five other authors. Um, and in that book are many dishes. 
Um, my daughter's allergic to peanuts. So when she's not around, mm. I, I love to eat karekare, which is Amen. Uh, mm -hmm. a peanut stew. <laughs> so good. I love it. Yeah, but for this episode, I am bringing in me mentally and, and emotionally my grandparents' lugao, mm. which is boiled rice. It is just plain boiled rice. Mm -hmm. I remember so many mornings in Guam with just having lugao and you can put salt and, and an egg yolk in an there. Egg, yep. And mm -hmm. it's just so delicious and yes. basic. It is, but it is so profoundly connective, right? Mm -hmm. I was saying that this is a sensitive conversation sometimes because if you have parents, one from, for example, Cebu, and another from Luzon or somewhere in Metro Manila, and then you pick a Cebuana dish, to represent your favorite, then half of your family is upset with you. But anyway, that is awesome and very appetizing. And just as we are hungry for what we'll hear today, I'm privileged to sit in with these two Filipina scholar psychologists and to learn today a lot uh, from both of you. Also, you're both Cebuana. So I think that right now, once again, us three Visayans are representing in a space that's often very Tagalog dominated. And we welcome all our Tagalog loved ones. Don't worry. We, we got plenty you. of space for all of us, <laughs> but we are happy to be among fellow Visayans. Dr. Jeannie, you know, in ethnic studies in particular, and we feel this often in Filipino American academic spaces, uh, there can be a challenge to reconcile faith or religious practice with another academic discipline, like, for example, psychology. Um, I know that there are many fundamentalists who have simply uh, an anti-science view or who have a bias against other sources of knowledge outside of, for example, their religious texts. And I want to leave that aside right now because I don't think our listeners especially in the Fuller community, are coming from that experience. But there is a real tension for many of us, and maybe among our listeners as well, who probably grew up in a church, a Christian church. Empirically, you know, nine out of ten Filipino-Americans would be in some way identified or connected to Christianity as their religious background. And yet, as we get older, we grow, we go through school or grad school, it can be hard to reconcile our religious upbringing or even our convictions with our academic discipline and often how it holds maybe an anti-religious view or a more pathologized view of religion, especially Christianity. And I would just wonder, how do you see psychology and faith as being compatible since you are someone who is able to bring them together? Mm, very good question, uh, very nuanced question with a very complex answer, um, but I will try to keep it as simple as I can. And to me, I see psychology and faith as not only compatible, but inextricably linked. They are inseparable, in fact, especially mm. as Filipinos. Um, you know, if we think about Western psychology, the study of mind and behavior, mind and behavior are embodied or lived out in thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations via our nervous system. Hmm. And, and faith, um, spirituality is about relationships with ourselves, the creator, nature, hmm. and other people. In, in Philippine psychology, you have the loob, 
which is your inner self or internal identity, which cannot be seen separately apart from kapwa, which is shared identity. Faith provides meaning and purpose to our life. And then that can positively impact our outlook on life, our mood, and give structure and framework to how do we relate to ourselves, God, the earth, and others. So hmm. they are, to me, inseparable. Hmm. And I, I went a little long on that, but any, any thoughts about what I said? No, no, I think what you said was great and helpful because it's also coming from you. And I would be curious how, for example, in your own life, if you're able to share, how do you hold them together for yourself, whether faith or spiritual practices, and also the, the work you do clinically or academically? I feel like there's this undercurrent in these two questions about the shame associated in our communities around talking about mental health. Mm. I think we need to name that shame um, and where that's coming from. I think it's coming from different places, but you know, even when I told one of my elders that I wanted to be a, psych, a, a psychotherapist, her first concern was my safety. Like, mm. and she said, well, if you become a therapist, you know, will you take people's problems home with you? Sure. And she proceeded to tell me a story about somebody's child that she knows who was so wrapped up with her patient's problems that she got into a car crash because she was like maybe over focused on her client's problems and then she wasn't paying attention while driving mm. and so maybe in, in on one hand i could have seen that as my elders um disapproval or discouragement for entering the field and on another hand i could have seen it as her concern for me and wanting to keep me safe so I took her response with a grain of salt. And of course, I, I became a therapist anyway. <laughs> that doesn't really address the shame, but it does address kind of this larger kind of looking down upon therapy that <laughs> sometimes we experience from our families. That's right. <laughs> That's, I think also, I'm wondering too about the shame that can come from being in you know, a field of academia or psychology, and we talk uh, or tend to talk a little bit less about um, how we integrate our faith into our practices. And I think that there can sometimes be shame there uh, to be in certain, I don't know if you felt this way, but to be in certain circles in psychology or in certain spaces, and then to claim like, oh, I'm actually a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I try to live out these beliefs and I try to pay attention to you know, what God is doing when I'm in this space with a patient, you know, I mean, whatever that looks like for you as a psychologist. Uh, I think that sometimes there is a little bit of that shame there too, for, for whatever reason. I think mm. we are undoing some of that together here today and hopefully mm. through our podcast and hopefully just the way that we live our lives, uh, Dr. Jeannie, as uh, psychotherapists. But yeah, I'm, I'm wanting us to undo some of that. And I think that that's happening here. And I think we'll get to do a little bit of that today as well, which I'm very mm -hmm. excited about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Can I tell that you're excited? Yes. <laughs> I definitely felt it yesterday when we had our, our pre-meeting. I have to say that my calling as a therapist is deeply rooted in my faith upbringing, mm. 
without telling my whole life story, I I did grow up in in a family of faith, but I think I really found my faith in college um at Berkeley and and part of that was it was like my faith practice but also my student activism mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. and in between that was the arts activism mm-hmm. um and Layers. so they were yeah they were all kind of running in parallel but also intermingling and i, I do think my faith mentors and uh bible study leaders and co-creators in college, um, many of whom you know and, and work with, like Christy Heller de Leon, Ella de Castro Barron, uh, mm-hmm. too, and also Cheryl Narvaez Pascual, and also mm-hmm. folks like Lisa Espinelli-Chin and mm-hmm. Brenda Wong. But in my senior year of college, I was in a small group. Our focus was what figuring out your calling in life and and and, and also what vocations would work with that calling. And part of my calling, I felt was to heal hearts and minds. And so that's where the vocation of therapy stemmed from. And so like, there's that, is it St. Francis of Assisi, make make me a channel of your peace. Mm. Anyway, I see my work as a therapist, like I'm, I'm an earthen vessel, two metaphors, a vessel. It's, and I see it as a bowl. And when I'm speaking with people, their words are, are just coming through the vessel and then flowing back out to them, to them. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like this circular, uh, dynamic. And then the other metaphor would be a mirror. Like mm-hmm. I am just mirroring to my client, the, their own self. And so really I'm holding up a mirror to my client and I try to do this in alignment with my values which I think are rooted in in my faith and my faith upbringing. That's wonderful. I think for those who are listening, we don't share what we're seeing, but as we listen and also look at Dr. Jeannie right now, we do see that she's really connected. She said as an earthen vessel, but we see this wonderful aesthetic, as I was calling it not long ago, of <laughs> greenery and plant life, but also artwork. And she's also wearing a, a shout out there to Filipiniana in something like a sash. I don't know the, the proper name for that. But like that, even being with you through this connection through virtually, it is a way of seeing in you, you know, aspects of things that make us feel comfortable or familiar or connected even more to ourselves. And then I'll just say one last thing before I let, you know, you two take it from here more. What you said about doing your work while also growing in activism and having roots in the faith community and those values, it does really resonate with what Dr. Robin Rodriguez said to us, Mm -hmm. which, you know, for many people who know her, they know her much more through her academic work and activism. And yet she was sharing with us how significant her spirituality and even her Christian upbringing was for that. And I know many of our listeners, Mm -hmm. perhaps even Eleanor, but definitely also myself, in college, we did find faith in a new way. And also we were heavily involved in racial justice or Asian American Mm -hmm. activism. And so for us, these things happen to be parallel callings or called 
together, for example. Yeah, that's something that I think I've been appreciating with spending um, more time with you, Dr. Jeannie, is the way that you integrate all of these different parts of yourself. And this has been a little bit of a spiritual mantra for myself the past several months is this idea that it all belongs it all belongs. So, um, meaning, you know, I'm, I'm trying to really good. hold parts of, of myself, hold parts of just the pain in the world, the joy in the world among my friends or times when I feel like I made a mistake or something, you know, times where I felt embarrassed, it all belongs. And mm. so that can mean various things to whomever is listening, but that's just something I've been trying to integrate in my, in my walk lately. And so part of that has also meant what does it mean that my identity as a psychologist belongs? What does it mean that I'm part of this lineage with my family, that, that it belongs as well? And so that's something that I think is so interesting about the work that you specifically do. Um, if anyone were to go on your website and see like all of your specialties, all of the modalities through which you practice, it's like there's so much synthesis and it's connected. And so one of the i want to focus on one of your specialties specifically which is trauma and you've spoken about and you've written about the ways in which the experiences of our families and of the people in our ancestries can impact us in our bodies right now like how we respond to our environments how we perceive our world right like our epigenetics uh, can you tell, we, and we also promised our listeners a little bit of uh, some psychoeducation. <laughs> so can you, you tell us, can you tell us a little bit more about your work in that area and how you use this framework of epigenetics to help your Filipino American clients? Hmm. Kind of in simple terms, you know, the research is telling us that trauma can be transmitted intergenerationally. Mm -hmm. and through our genes. So, of course, they can't study humans um, and, and traumatize a human and then make them have offspring. And then, <laughs> so mm -hmm. much of this research is, has been through the studies of mice mm -hmm. and that they can show that behaviors that one generation had in, re in response to trauma can be transmitted to later generations of mice and that our genes change, our DNA changes in response to trauma. I focus more on the story or kind of wrapping myself around this or wrapping my brain, my myself around the title of being like a story healer. Because I think one of my giftings is listening to stories and helping folks heal their story and, and, and also rewrite their story. Not only for themselves, but for their ancestors and for future generations. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I have somewhat of a question mark around the the phrase toxic culture, because I I do like what Black author and therapist Resma Menakem states, and I want to quote him. It he says that trauma decontextualized over time in a family can look like family traits. And trauma decontextualized mm -hmm. in a people can look like culture. Wow. Wow. Yes, that's yeah. a very deep and layered quote. But yes. I, I heard some like very resonant wows, like what, what's coming <laughs> up for you? I think for me, since I am 
training to become a psychologist and a lot of the research that I'm looking at is depression in Filipino Americans and how that is related to all of these external um, factors, right, such as colonial mentality and, and, you know, just the different structures of not just historical oppression, but modern day oppression and how that can be impacting how Filipinos might be feeling about themselves. And so it, that's my major theme <laughs> for my research. The major lesson is that hello to all psychologists out there. Um, we can't just take one person and pathologize them and, and, you know, assume that all of their problems are coming from just within them. They are actually couched within several contexts and historical contexts that we often don't have the information about and don't, and therefore don't take a look at. And so I think that that's something that we are hoping to change. And I think something that we'll get to experience too, to, with you today, hopefully Dr. Jeannie. Yes, thank you. Well, congratulations on being in your fifth of six years of, of doctoral study. I'm so yes. excited for you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and for sharing with me that a talk in 2016 that I did at a conference stood out to you. I really appreciate that. It's really making me think about my father, whose story I still need to capture um, through other people because he has since passed, but his mother passed away during World War II uh, due to torture uh, during the war. And, you know, losing uh, your mother, particularly at a young age, I, I think he was around about between seven and nine, and how that impacted him growing up and how how it affected his parenting. And so we, we need to look at these stories and heal not only ourselves, but heal the stories or make sense of them and drawing both uh, acknowledging and healing the trauma, but also identifying and celebrating the, the survivance and resiliency of those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that you're speaking about it, you've spent the time trying to hear these stories from your family and understanding how that has impacted you and who you've become today. And I get the sense that this is a journey that a lot of our listeners are on, is that they are starting to uncover or rediscover uh, some of the stories, um, histories in their families and in their wider communities. And that's starting to inform this understanding of who am I? Why why am I this way in the world? And mm. it's a very, it can be a very painful process to go through that, but also very liberating at the same time. And so I think that a journey like that, we need to be in community. And it's also helpful to have some guides who can mm. take us along the way and, and show us where to put our footing so that we don't uh, stumble too far. With that, Dr. Jeannie, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind taking some time on our podcast today, guiding us through an experiential uh, vision, imagination exercise to show us some of the work that you do. We would be so honored by that. Yeah. I want to just 
share a phrase that what you just said, Eleanor, brought to mind, which is kabalikat. I'm not a fluent Tagalog speaker, but my understanding of that phrase is like shoulder to shoulder. And I, I was introduced to that phrase in Manila during the global urban trek through folks like Dr. Melba Magay. Anyway, it's like a walking alongside, you know, and 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 how amazing that 30 years later, when Christy and Ella and I were at Berkeley, kind of, I don't want to say blind leading the blind, but we're definitely <laughs> kind of like, kind of innovating and, and helping one another. Um, but now you have this podcast and, and, and the thousand listeners or whatever, and that there's a critical mass of us thinking about, creating, writing about, studying, and healing, healing these stories. So thank you so much. So now we're going to transition into a time where Dr. Jeannie is going to lead us through an experiential exercise to help us get connected to ourselves and to our wider community. So Dr. Jeannie, please take it away. Yeah, thank you so much for being open to trying this out. I do want to say that this is going to involve kind of like some mindfulness practice. Um, and so for folks who are listening at home, please, if you're going to be listening to this, uh, be in a safe place. Don't engage in it while driving or operating machinery of any kind. I want you to be very alert and aware if you're going to try some of this mindfulness. And, you know, I do want to say that uh, this is a practice. It integrates a lot of different modalities that I, I use, but one of them is ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a third wave cognitive behavioral therapy. And many folks do not know that ACT draws from like ancient Buddhist practice of mindfulness, but also having traveled to Cebu this past summer, you know, I, I being immersed in nature, the sea, the clouds, the sun, the moon, the stars, the birds, you cannot help but be mindful and attuned to your environment. And I, I think um, this attunement to nature is, you know, our heritage of being mindful, mindful and being present. So we don't have to look very far uh, to find that mindfulness is deeply rooted in who we are as people and as Filipinos. So without further ado, find a comfortable position. You don't have to be still. In fact, I might stand for a bit. Taking a moment just to be in the present moment with yourself and your surroundings. I've had yoga teachers who are like, it doesn't have to be quiet. The noise around you is part of the mindfulness practice. And even now, maybe stretching your body and folks who can't see me, my arms are stretching out and I have a a wider posture of my legs. And as you are stretching your body, just noticing your fingers from left to right, right to left, if you have them, and just feeling the full expansiveness of this body that you have. And it's aligned with you, this God-given body, this ancestrally given body, this life-given body. And just noticing the horizontal breath of your body and maybe stomping your feet a little bit maybe swaying back and forth but feeling the weightiness of your feet if that's available to you 
on the floor and noticing that the floor is deeply rooted in this building, which is deeply rooted in the earth and goes down layers and layers and layers into the center of the earth. And as I exhaled, I let out a big sigh, acknowledging this breath that is our body's natural rhythm. It's a way our body takes in oxygen from the environment and it's a way our body naturally moves. It is embodiment and it is healing. It's always available to you. So thanking your breath for breathing, thanking your lungs and the air around you that contains particles of your very skin, the skin of your family, the skin of your housemates, maybe particles of your dog or cat. <laughs> it's coming in your nose through your throat, into your heart space, and coming back out again. And even now, if there's anything you want to release, any thoughts, feelings, or sensations that aren't serving you at this moment, you may speak them now to yourself or in your heart. And so I release the stress of uh, different technological things that we tried to do earlier today. And I, I release maybe some shyness that I'm experiencing because I'm, I, I believe I'm a naturally shy person. And um, if anyone else would like to release anything, you can speak it now. I release the stress of distractions and too many responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I release the stress of having to finish some papers after this call today. <laughs> yeah. And so we want to just um, put in one basket the stress. And also in another basket, the opportunity and knowing that the stress is there for a reason and it helps to motivate us to do what we need to do. So honoring the stress as well. And if it behooves you to put your hands upward, point them upward towards the sky, towards the ceiling as a universal sign of acceptance or receiving, or as I heard Claudine Del Rosario, Professor Del Rosario say, reaching your hands towards the sky where your will and the will of God and or the universe meet. And uh, naming what you would like to receive in this moment. What would serve you? What would you like to receive? And I receive my kapwa here, my community. I receive the opportunity of meeting all these folks through voice, through this podcast. I receive clarity and also space. I receive peace and more trust in the unfolding of my relationship with God in my life. Mm. Clarity, unfolding, connection. Yes. Wow. Well, that uh, was so meaningful. 
And if we, if we can go further, if it's okay, maybe we can do an imaginal activity. Is that okay? That sounds great. Having done a little bit of mindfulness, I want to shift a little bit into more of an imaginal exercise. And what I like about imaginal work is that I really believe it's a God-given gift that we have to use our imaginations for healing. And so this was an imaginal uh, intervention or activity that my colleague, Dr. Jan Estrellado and I did at a Asian American Psychological Association conference on, on decolonization. Well, our workshop was on decolonization in early 2020. Just finding a, a good place to be present with yourself. I want to invite folks to imagine a peaceful place, perhaps a beach or a sunny spot by a stream. Imagine how your air, the air feels on your skin. You might see sunlight playing on water. And at a distance, you notice a beloved person walking towards you. It might be a beloved family member or an ancestor or a mentor whom you, whom you have not seen for a long time. If, if this were an ancestor, maybe you never met them while they were alive on earth. Whoever comes to your imagination is okay. But may this be a person that you feel instantly safe with and at ease. Even as I'm speaking this, these words, you might notice sensations that stir in your chest, your heart. And that too is okay. As this beloved person or ancestor approaches, maybe you notice a smile coming to your face. Imagining you and your ancestor greeting each other in whatever way feels safe to you are comfortable. This person, this beloved person is so happy to see you and wants to learn about your life. You might imagine a conversation and your beloved person is asking you, what brings you joy? What is your passion? And I'll give you a few moments to imagine what this conversation might look like or feel like. Imagining you sitting together for some time exchanging stories, noticing any sensations that arise in your body, thoughts in your mind, and how it feels to commune with this long lost beloved person. Notice your breath and any sensations in your chest, your gut, your feet. And finding a good place to pause, 
acknowledging that this short reunion with this beloved is coming to a close for today. Perhaps imagining that your ancestor has a message for you. Maybe it's Anak, I'm proud of you. My child, I'm proud of you. So good to see you. And it's time to say goodbye for now and you bid your beloved person or ancestor a gesture of farewell, whether a, a nod or a kiss or touching their hand. And you see your beloved or your ancestor as they walk away. Bringing your attention back to your breathing, maybe moving a little, shifting your weight, maybe rubbing your hands together, coming back to this show, this podcast, breathing in gratitude for this special meeting that you had in your imagination, and maybe breathing out grief or sorrow for having to say goodbye. And thanking yourself for having courage and openness to try this out with us. And coming back to this call or this conversation uh, gently and when you're ready. Hmm. Ah, yeah, and letting out a breath. Um, it feels a little awkward doing this virtually, um, but thank you for giving it a go. <sighs> No, thank yeah. you so much for guiding us through it. I think that we're going to spend some time debriefing, but one of the things that I will share is that it was surprisingly easy to <laughs> to engage and, and kind of dive deep in, even though we are virtual or for our listeners who are listening via podcast. So um, I don't know. That's that that was my initial thought was, oh, I'm I'm diving in and <laughs> it's 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 pretty easy. So I don't know, Jay, how was that? For you, I know that that might not be everyone's experience. Yeah, it was surprising to me how quickly a specific person came yeah. into my mind. And um, it was good. There was a lot of warmth in a restorative way that made me not want to say goodbye. Wow, thank you so much for sharing. I all actually all of a sudden got very warm when you like physically warm when you said that. But thank you for your trust. You know, I think we didn't delve too much into what therapy is. But I think at the heart is trust. And so I do appreciate mm -hmm. the trust that you folks have lent me. Uh, because as as it said, trust is not given, it is loaned or lent. And so I feel like thank you for loaning me your trust for this conversation, but also for that exercise or activity. I would agree with Jay too, that it was very easy for me to render an image of someone that I didn't know when you invited us to imagine uh, an ancestor, just someone in our lineage, maybe we hadn't met them. That's just such an interesting prompt. And I think I was surprised at how I was able to, 
I don't know. I, it's hard to explain. I, I think I tend to be a little bit more visual. I know that not all of our brains are made the same. And so it might have been harder for other folks. And that's totally okay. But for myself, I was surprised that I was I was able to imagine a person. I don't know who they are, but I felt at ease. And there was something very calming about them that they, they just kind of knew my journey. And that was very, I don't, I don't really know if I have words for it yet. I felt seen and comfortable. That's beautiful. I do want to say, I want to call in Ateleni Strobel, who is the editor of Babaylan Filipinos and the Call of the Indigenous. And, you know, you can find her many recordings on YouTube, but in one of the recordings, she talks about in her early work, trying to study about her ancestors, she was speaking to them and she said, you know, I'm so sorry, I don't know some of your names. And she felt that she heard back, it's okay, we know you, we know your name, we know who you are. And so I have hesitated to say ancestors only because I do get feedback from the, those I serve that if they're adopted or they have a history where they do not know their ancestors, they can kind of feel marginalized. So I have shifted that to beloved person or, or ancestor. But, but if an unknown or unnamed ancestor came to you, I, I welcome that. I just want to say how grateful we are. We're winding down our time together, but gosh, I wish we had so much more. Eleanor, I just want to real quickly invite Dr. Jeannie to share how people can learn more about her and her work and also be in touch with her. And then maybe Eleanor, you can send us out. Sounds good. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. As I said, it is like coming home. And I feel like many of the guests you've had in this season are personal friends of mine, including uh, Dr. Robin Rodriguez and Lisa Espinelli Chin, as well as Alicia Del Prado. I mean, I just feel like um, I am among friends here. You know, please reach out to me on Instagram at Jeannie Celestial, one word. Also, our new collective work with Drs. Jan Estrellado and Lou Felipe with Forward by EJR David, Clinical Interventions for Internalized Suppression. The best price, I believe, is through the publisher Cog Cognella Academic Publishing. And you can easily find it at tinyurl.com slash healing oppression book. And I would like to, my vision is that we can get together and talk more about the intersections of um, therapy and spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so if you're interested in a free values assessment, as well as my future consultations uh, for Filipino therapists and other Asian and Pacific Islander therapists, please reach out to me, tinyurl.com slash celestial centering, like the title of this podcast, uh, for mm -hmm. a free values assessment. Yeah, I have just joined Sweet Mango Therapy for individual therapy. So find me there, as well as reach me at drcelestial.com for consultation and, and workshops. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, let's let's do this again anytime. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you thank so you. much. For our listeners out there, do not worry. We will put all of this information, including the book titles and website links, into the episode description. So go ahead and take a look there. You can also Google Dr. Jeannie Celestial and all of the awesome things that she's up to will show up there for you. 
So once again, we want to thank you so much for joining us for this very special, very unique experiential podcast for Centering. And we thank you again for joining us and journeying with us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. This episode was produced by Jason Chu and edited by Alexander Cathedral with music by Mark Redito. Please join us again next week or browse our archives on your favorite podcast directory. And above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are.